Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about 2018's Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, to help me talk about it is someone you might know from her various guest appearances on podcasts like The Dana Buckler Show, Cobwebs, Inside the Sequel, and many more. Uh, and she's someone who I've been wanting to talk to for a long time now. It is Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. Carmelita, how are you? Hello, Matt. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited about talking about Mandy with you. <laughs> I am so excited. <laughs> Thank you again for inviting me. I love the podcast. I've been listening and enjoying. And to get the opportunity to talk about a movie that I am mildly obsessed with, I'm just, <laughs> I'm super stoked. So thank you, you. You would be both. Well, thank you for coming on because uh, you came highly recommended from several people. So they were like, you've got to talk. Oh, they're Carmelita. sweet. They are very sweet people. They were like, you got to talk. I was like, I want to talk to Carmelita. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been so fortunate to connect with people um, who are great hosts, passionate about movies. And I've had the opportunity to have some great conversations all of those you mentioned, it's it's been really fun. It's been really fun to guest on those shows and 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 just get to interact with cool people of like mind who like good movies. And and so I'm I'm always happy to do it. And so this is a treat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about like the people that I think we call run the same circles on like film Twitter, but it's like our own little pocket of film Twitter. Yeah. Uh, very, very positive group of people, everyone very nice. Uh I didn't even use my Twitter till like a year ago. And then like F this movie fest happened. And I felt like after that, I talked to these people more like Mike Scott and Daniel Epler, Lindsay Wilkins and a bunch of other people. And uh, I was like, oh, people are very much kind of in the same mind as me about movies. And I was like, this is a lot. Twitter's not a horrible place after all. <laughs> no, totally. And, and I think, too, you know, just kind of with where we're at in the world right now, 2021. And I think more and more we're looking for ways to connect with people. And I'm so happy that I've found this positive, <laughs> this positive little <laughs> corner of the internet um, where, I mean, trolls bound all around us, I'm sure, <laughs> and negative takes and hot takes that are garbage. And that's fine because we have been able to meet up with people who who just want to share a love of film and and who just enjoy each other's online company. So yeah, it's it's been it's been really nice getting to know people and getting yeah, to no. talk movies. It's it's been great. Especially yeah, like you said in the past like year just been trying to connect to people. It was it was very helpful. <laughs> so it, it was it's very good. Now I have a podcast. I don't know how that happened, but it's like <laughs> These things happen sometimes. Um, so, well, you have not been on this show before, and if people don't no. know you, but um, so I kind of wanted to ask, like, generally, what this might be kind of a broad question, but you're kind of what are your favorite types of movies or some of your favorite all time movies? Give people an idea of kind of what you like. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm a, a lifelong movie buff, and so I enjoy lots of genres. I think, I mean, really, the only two genres that I'm not so keen on or I don't watch as often would probably be comedy and and like romantic comedies not really my thing but I love sci-fi I love horror I love a good drama thrillers I mean all of that stuff I I really love films that are that make you think that leave you with questions 
to ponder and go down rabbit holes. I love rewatching movies. So anything rewatchable, I'm so in. I have like a movie for every mood. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and I I love kind of coming up with my own little double features for the evening Mm. and watching a couple movies back to back and coming up with a theme. And it's it gets it gets kind of like a little event. I think every time I sit down and watch a movie, it's a little celebration. Even when the movies are dark and weird and <laughs> what have you, because I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but some of my favorites, like favorite horror movie is The Exorcist. Oh, no question about yeah. it. Oh, I love it. Um, God, yeah, I just like it just runs the gamut, really. I like classic movies. Uh, I like some foreign films, although I'm not as well versed as other folks are. Love a good action flick. I just really enjoy movies. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. You said it better than I could. I, I feel like I kind of dropped that big question on you. And that was a great answer because that you said a lot right. of things that I relate to on that. Um, yeah. Whenever I put a movie on, I'm just it, it's most of the time it's it really is like an event. You know, it's like, ooh, what's this going to be? I haven't seen it before, too. It's really going to be like, what is this going to be? Because, you know, uh, it's just exciting. I just love movies. And I feel like I get older. I love all kinds of like my 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 horizons have expanded you know it's like yeah it's closed off so um yeah no that's fantastic um so well speaking of movies uh <laughs> in general but and I, I did ask you about this so have you seen anything uh recently that's been really good or you want to talk about at all oh absolutely i've had a really good run and oh, i like doing... when i have those yeah <laughs> oh i love it and i've been kind of i've been trying to find a little more balance there for a long stretch, I would just rewatch movies that I'd seen a gazillion times <laughs> before. And I was falling really far behind on catching newer movies or catching movies I'd never seen before. And so I've been trying to balance it out. And I just recently had a whole string of movies that were new to me, some of them not new, but new to me, that I really enjoyed. Uh, the first one, if you have not seen this, you need to see this. Seance on a Wet Afternoon from 1964. I have not seen that. I'm adding to my watch list right now. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a really cool vibe. Like, I like movies that are a mood that wrap you up in an experience. Mm -hmm. And Seance on a Wet Afternoon absolutely does that. Just from, like, the opening credits, the visuals, the music, you're already like wrapped up in the vibe of this movie. It's available on HBO Max for anyone who's interested in checking it out. It's a British film. Director is Brian Forbes. Stars Kim Stanley and Richard Attenborough. It's really cool. It's a really cool premise. You can tell by the title. There's like, I don't know. It's just... I was really captivated by this film and I would definitely recommend it. This sounds very interesting. I just read the synopsis and I was happy to see it was HBO Max because at first it like wasn't uh, available to rent anywhere. And I was like, oh no, but it's on HBO Max. Yeah. That's good. So I'm going to have yeah. to check that out. That sounds very interesting. So what yeah. what did they give for the synopsis? I'm curious. <laughs> Let me go back here. Let me see. Uh, a medium and her husband stage a kidnapping in order for her to pretend to solve the crime and achieve fame. Yep. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's 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 pretty good. It gives you a good idea. But I let me just tell you, there is 
there's so many layers to this and just the characters okay. and and their psychology highly recommend so oh, that was okay. that was a recent watch that i i totally loved uh the other night i watched and shout out to the menace to society blog because they turned me on to this one it's a movie from finland dogs don't wear pants 2019 <laughs> wow that's an interesting title i don't think i feel like that i feel like i've heard of this maybe um if, go on if though you have yeah. shutter that, it's available yeah. on shutter right now mm -hmm. it's okay. cool it's <laughs> it's people who like mandy if someone is tuning in to film feast right now because they love mandy <laughs> you need to see dogs don't wear pants because visually a lot of you have the the beautiful colors and like the deep blacks and the bright reds and it's just visually stunning but it's also it's a really cool story really about grief but it plays out an exploration of of complicated grief but it plays out between a grieving widower who's a single father and the dominatrix that he meets by chance it's it's really awesome. It's a really like there's some dark humor to it, but there's some gnarly parts <laughs> in this movie. It's not a horror yeah. movie. I, it's mm -hmm. I would even struggle to call it a thriller. I think they they flag it as a thriller. I don't even know if that's accurate genre wise. It's kind of hard to to put this in one bucket mm -hmm. or another. Just calls it a drama romance is listed. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of works. It's, it's. I mean, there's definitely drama to it, and there's mm -hmm. some dark humor, and it's it's gorgeous. So if you have Shutter, get on that. You will not be sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't know what to make that of that from the title. Stuff. Dogs don't wear pants. I wouldn't know what that was about or what that would be like. Yeah, the title is is interesting, but it's it's actually the title is used in a line of dialogue in the film. Okay. <laughs> and so when you hear it in the context of the dialogue, you go, oh, now I get it. But just to see the title, you're like, okay, what do dogs have to do with anything? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so don't let the title throw you. Okay. It's a gorgeous movie. Very interesting. You will love it if you love Mandy. <laughs> okay. Add it to the list as well. This is, you're doing this yeah. is great so far. You sold me on two things already. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, this is not a movie that's new to me, but I watched it, I mean, easily over 10 years ago. So it was like a first watch again. I rewatched Night Watch from 2004. Oh, never seen that either. I, man, oh. <laughs> seen the cover for years. I'm thinking of the right Night Watch. Is it a... Um... I know there's so many there's so many night, <laughs> so watch many night watchers. Yeah. <laughs> they have a guy's face and it's kind of like Yes. I, yes. Okay. I've seen this yes. cover. And there's like for bats. Years. Yep. <laughs> or crows or something. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know what it's it was. It's really cool. And this is another foreign film. It's Russian. I remember when this came out, it was like it's a vampire movie, but it's not your typical vampire movie. And at the time for 2004, the CGI was just amazing. We were all floored. And I watched it once in 2004 and then never again. <laughs> so <laughs> it 
it was it was really kind of fun to go back and and watch this movie and i i think even though you know we've progressed in terms of what's possible with um graphics and and with the effects it held up pretty well and it's it's based on a book and so there's there's some great dialogue and and some lines in there that i'm fairly certain are probably pulled directly from the text but so they're you know well written so that was a fun rewatch cool okay I, you know what's funny about this movie i feel like this was one that was at my local video store that was like constantly i would look at it and almost rent it but i never actually rented it <laughs> just the cover right. caught my eye yeah but i never i should check it out now it's again it's going on the list so <laughs> yeah i think I think that one's available for rent, you know, Amazon, mm -hmm. all the all the usual places. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that that was kind of fun to revisit because it had been so long. Another one. Ooh, <laughs> the endless. I'm late to the party on this one. Well, you got in the party before I did because I still haven't seen it. <laughs> and I loved. OK, I love Synchronic. Have you seen Synchronic yet? I haven't. I, it's really good. It's by those same two guys, and I've been beginning to see the endless and is it resolution that like the two yeah. are tied together? Yeah, I haven't seen either one, but I want to. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, those two are on my list now after okay. this because when I I mentioned to some folks that I had seen the endless and how much I enjoyed it, they're like, "Oh, well, have you seen this?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> so those are on the list. I'll get to those later this week, I think. Uh, but yeah, the endless is really cool. I I love what they were able to accomplish on what I'm going to assume is probably a pretty tight budget mm -hmm. and just how ambitious they were in trying to pull off the whole cosmic horror thing. Cause that's hard. It's hard to yeah. bring those Lovecraftian <laughs> elements to the screen. A lot of movies fall short. I thought they did a really good job. And so anyone who likes cosmic horror, this movie is pretty cool. And there's like a whole cult element I watched, uh, I think it's on HBO Max, the the docu-series about the Heaven's Gate cult. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I had watched that before I watched this movie, and there's some definite inspiration, I think, that they took from the Heaven's Gate cult. So that was kind of, it was kind of fun to watch those close together. Um, I mean, I remember Heaven's Gate from from when that was in the news, but it was, it was kind of interesting to have just dive deep on a docu-series about it. And then to watch a, a work of fiction that kind of ties some of those same elements. So I definitely recommend it. Okay. I would say add to list, but it's been my list for like five years. So I should really just watch it at this point. <laughs> but there's so many lists, right? Like oh it's hard. God. It's crazy. My, I, I still have my list on IMDb. Like I know people do letterbox now, but I have not moved right. it over and it's in yeah. like, the thousands. Like I'm just like looking at this list. Like I thought I'd chip away at it in 2020. I barely chipped away at it at all. It's like, it's hard. yeah, it's crazy. It's, I mean, there's so many movies to see and so not enough time really. And all the different platforms to see the mod, you know, yeah. cause I've, I've got a, I've got a watch. I've got a watch list on Netflix. I have one on Hulu. I have one on Amazon. Then I have my letterbox that I think I probably have some on IMDb as well that I completely forgot about. There's so many. Like, where do you even like, where do you even start? I don't know. Overwhelming. This is why I spend like 
an hour going through these lists and don't pick anything. I'm like, let me go yes. to Netflix. Nope, nothing. Go me to Prime. Nothing. Uh, and I go through all my apps and go down these rabbit holes and just look at stuff and then don't pick anything. And I go, well, it's too late now. I better just watch an episode of The Office or something because I don't have totally. an hour and a half anymore. <laughs> no, it's absolutely what happens. This is why I kind of like to give myself a theme. Mm, that's a, yeah, like that's I'll, a good idea. I'll, I'll come up with a theme like... Sometimes it's as simple as I want to watch movies from this actor. Yeah, that or, is helpful. Or director. <laughs> or sometimes it's like a weird theme. Like, I don't, I can't think of anything just now. But, you know, I'll come up with a theme. And so then I'll go through my watch list. Okay, that fits the theme. And then I'll, you know, pair something with it. But, yeah, because there's so many choices. And it sounds like we're complaining. And I feel like a real <laughs> asshole. Because... <laughs> I mean, how lucky are we that we have so many options? But, um, you know, there's definitely that. What's it called? Is it analysis paralysis or, you know, there's oh, just it's, so uh, much. Juice. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. It's I, it's not tip of my tongue. That's why I'm uh, something about paralysis. Choice. Paralysis, something paralysis. Choice something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's there's just terrible. so many yeah. things. We're not, I don't know that we're like biologically <laughs> <laughs> meant to have this much choice doesn't feel like it. It. Uh, I thought we had a lot of choice when I was younger and I could go to the video store and I had all these, t you know, channels on TV. Right. And, I, you know, no, that was nothing compared to what streaming has brought us. Like, this is a whole new thing. Like, and I feel like I guess a whole different topic, but I feel like it's harder for people to fall in love with movies. Like when I was a kid, uh, you know, I'd watch something over and over and over because, like, we owned the tape and I didn't have a lot of tapes. Right. So it's like, so it's right. like always come more special to me. Not that people can't fall in love with movies. That's obviously not what I'm saying. But I just feel like, I don't know, like, it's more disposable. I mean, that's the way I'm saying because they just move on to a thousand other things and they don't have to rewatch the same thing over and over again. <laughs> no, this is a great point, Matt. And you know what? I was thinking along similar lines, but I hadn't come to that, I hadn't picked up on that same reason I was thinking about this because we were going to talk about Mandy and I was thinking about you know when I was a kid when I was a teenager we would get a hold of a movie and it would just blow our minds and we couldn't stop talking about it and we'd rent it all the time or we'd watch it every time it was on television like actual broadcast television and you we, you know we would just get obsessed and you would like memorize the dialogue and you would like quote it all the time and we were just so in, we would get so invested in a movie. And I feel like in adulthood, that just doesn't happen as much. And maybe, maybe you're onto something. Maybe it has less to do with how old I am and more to do with how we're coming across the movies and how many options are available. But I was thinking about this today because Mandy is one of those rare movies that when I saw this, I just, I couldn't shut up about it. I was, <laughs> I wanted to talk about it with everyone. I wanted to recommend it. I wanted to go out and buy collectible memorabilia. Like <laughs> I got so invested similarly to how I used to as a kid with, you know, whatever movie would come out that would just captivate our imaginations. And I hadn't, you know, I don't experience that very often anymore. Yeah, that's yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's funny because I was just thinking of the example of like, because I, I think I've told her multiple times somehow in this podcast and that old, but like me and my sister stayed at my grandpa's house a lot. And he was like 
a much older grandpa to begin with. He was mm. like in his seventies. We were bored. He had like a TV that was like made of wood, and like he had no cable. Oh yeah, and like you know, and this is in the nineties, and he had like we had to work the antenna, so we had like you know four or five channels, and we had like a like ten tapes that were at his house that stayed at his house all the time, and it's like we fell in love with stuff like the great mouse detective because it was just one of the few tapes we watched over and over and over. Right. But if I had Disney plus at that age, I feel like I would just go through Disney plus and just watch every, you know, movie on there. And yeah. it's like, things wouldn't be as special. I mean, it's great to see. I love seeing more stuff. It's like, but I don't, absolutely. you know, there's something to be said for you watch this thing and it becomes special to you. Cause you kind of live with it longer. And I was thinking about this too. Um, back when like DVDs were brand new because I've been trying to watch more of the special features on my Blu-rays because I realized I ignore yeah. special features. I'm just going through all this stuff. When I had like three DVDs to start with, I just watched the special features over and over and over. And uh, they, you know, it's like, oh, it's so cool. You know, and plus they were new. So that was a thing too. But, you know, it's like, I don't like, I'm trying to dig into the movie more besides just watching a movie and then moving on to the next thing. I want to like kind of dig right. in. If I really like it, I want to dig in and, you know, kind of really fall in love with it before I'm just like, all right, next, you know? <laughs> no, totally. I mean, and, and that's absolutely true. Like I'll buy a DVD, I'll buy a Blu-ray and it's got all these features on it. And when I'm, when I'm looking to buy it, I look to see what features are on there, but then I don't watch them. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> right. People put work into these. I should watch this. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, and there's, there's so much cool. There's just so much cool information and behind the scenes and commentary and, there's there's so much more content about clearly if I'm purchasing the film, I I care about it. So it's right there at my fingertips. But yeah, we've I think we've definitely there's just so much out there in the, and we have all those watch lists. And so there's always another movie to move on to. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a cool idea to go through and start watching that stuff, watching all those extras. Yeah, because they just don't want to, like, leave it be. It's like, I kind of paid for it in a way. You know, it's part of the Blu-ray. So, um, and I miss the days of, like, and this might be because I was just a teenager with nothing else to do, but I would, like, listen to these commentaries over and over. And the one I think of, and I was going to mention this episode later, the episode you and Chris Otato did about Desperado was really, yeah. really good. So good. Oh, I, thanks. <laughs> I would love that movie. And to hear you guys talk about it and do such a good job, I... I was I just was floored. I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> um, and that was a movie where it was one of the first DVDs. And I watched that commentary with Robert Rodriguez, like probably as much as I watched just the movie without his commentary. It was almost like it oh, was awesome because I was so I, I was getting into filmmaking. And like that commentary is so good. All his commentaries are so good. But that commentary is so good. If you just want to learn about like filmmaking from a very like uh, kind of basic perspective like he doesn't talk over and you know uh, or above anybody yeah. you know he's very much like oh yeah we did this and you can see where the <laughs> like the camera frame fell off because the um the clips hit the camera you know it's like all the stuff he was doing behind the scenes and like um so i just yeah i kind of missed getting into stuff like that because i found out so much good information from commentaries and behind the scenes stuff and i'm like why am i not watching this but um well that was a tangent but yeah so it's like, well i love the yeah. tangent and <laughs> i'm i'm gonna take this to heart i okay. <laughs> i need to do i need to do more of this this is gonna be kind of like my homework assignment to be better about that i'm glad i could inspire you No, i love talking about that kind of stuff because i've thought about that for a while about the whole idea of like we have so much like it basically feels like infinite choice because no human yeah. 
is probably gonna get through all the movies that have been made and keep being made so it's infinite yeah, so no it's way. like what do you do with that so uh, that was no that was a good conversation to have i feel like so um anything else you want to bring up about stuff you've watched recently oh what else <laughs> oh well you know here's a classic this okay. was a first time watch for me and also available currently on HBO Max. I watched The Red Shoes for the first time from 1948. Uh, it's directed by Michael Powell. I have not watched it. <laughs> Sorry. It is so good. It's so oh, hmm. good. It's beautiful, gorgeous colors. I love fairy tales, even as an adult. There's something about fairy tales that just really speaks to me. Um, and so it's 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 it takes its inspiration from Hans Christian Andersen, but it's, you know, set in, you know, the 40s. It's just it's gorgeous. It's so well done. This is another one that I feel like people who like movies like Mandy, where you like that there's kind of a fantasy element. But it's not like a fantasy film. The Red Shoes is one of those. It's really cool. And for them, you know, just kind of thinking about that time, 1948, what they accomplished with this movie is, it's impressive. Yeah, I really need Bump to see that it. up on your list. I know. <laughs> I own the movie. That's the sad part. Like, I just, I remember hearing it was good. And of course, there was a Barnes & Noble Criterion sale. And that's my excuse to like buy a bunch of Criterions because I'm like, right? they'll never be cheaper. Uh, so Absolutely. it's on the sh- it's on the shelf. I need to watch it. It seems really cool. I remember just like, it just I heard about it and saw some stuff from it, either screenshots or footage. And I was like, oh, I need to see yeah. it because it looks incredible. So, yeah, no, it's gorgeous. It's really well done. It's it's cool. You will not be sorry. You made a wise investment okay. <laughs> in picking up that. De- so you don't have to feel bad about picking that up. You're not going to be sorry. It's good to know. OK, uh, <laughs> um, anything else? No, that's about it for me. Well, I mean, I I did watch uh, Saint Maud. Oh, that's on my list of stuff to talk about, actually. So. Oh yeah, no, please then, please do that. Okay, I will I will jump into that one because I had mostly mostly newer stuff that I was going to talk about, and that's that's the first thing. Because um, I actually just before we started recording this, I think I saw that you're on another podcast called the Film Alchemist Podcast, talking about Saint Maud. This is true. <laughs> so so I don't want to make you talk about it too much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you talk. Tell me okay. what you thought about it. I'm curious. I liked it. I, I did not love it, but I really did like it. It was, um, it is very, <laughs> this sounds like a, like I'm knocking it, but it's very much what I would think of as an A24 horror movie, but I like A24 no, horror movies. No, it is. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's like slow burn, um, you know, dark, dramatic for a while has kind of a pretty, uh, what's the word? I mean, jaw dropper of an ending, I would say <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, it's, it's hard to talk about really without, you know, spoiling anything, but, spoiling um, it. yeah, it's, I, I did really like it. I think it's worth checking out. If you're into like the moody slow burn horror movies, um, it is very good. I mean, I guess if people don't know the basic premise is that, uh, this woman goes take care of the, like she's like a home care nurse goes take care of this woman who used to be like an actress or a dancer, kind of a, an artistic type. And uh, this nurse take care of her is very become very religious. And there's some clashing there because she's just very religious. And the woman to take care of is very not religious and uh, stuff happens between them. And 
that takes a lot of turns. See, it's hard to talk about because it, it takes so many turns where it's like, ooh, I don't want to yeah. go into what happens past the premise. But um, where it ends up, uh, I didn't. I kind of saw. I mean, I kind of knew how it was going to go, but I didn't know how they were going to do it, and I was pretty blown right. away by how it ended. Um, I thought it was really good, and it was crazy that it was. I forgot. I feel bad. I forgot her name, but the director's debut movie, and it's a very uh, Rose Glass. I think I, I know. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's a very well done debut. So, um, yeah, I I looked her up as okay. I was researching. And she's only like 31. She's very young. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, just the strength of the work and what she accomplished. It's yeah, it's it's really well done. And yeah. you're and you're not wrong. Like, yeah, it's an A24 <laughs> movie. Like, if you've seen some of the other stuff they're putting out, it's of a similar vein style-wise. And some people really like that. Some people enjoy some of them, but not others. And some people don't enjoy it at all. And yeah. <laughs> different strokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. <laughs> it's all good. There's something for everybody out there, as we have just discussed all the choices. <laughs> so, but I'm, choices. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you gave it a shot and you enjoyed it. I did. I did. I didn't know. I didn't know much about it. I saw that trailer like, you know, over a year ago when it was supposed to come out <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and really haven't seen much since. But it was on. It's on a weird, if people want to watch it, it's kind of a weird situation because it's on like the Epic's streaming app. Yes. <laughs> so you have to Correct. sign up. I signed up through Amazon and it's like $6 for a month or like a free seven day trial if you've never had it before. But I had it before to watch, I think, Spontaneous a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. But which was also great. But yeah, um, if you want, it's basically it's the cost of renting a movie normally almost six bucks. So um, I think it's worth that if people, people should know what they're getting into the way we described it, I think. so. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, if it sounds up your alley, it's on Epics for like six bucks to rent or for, or free, really, if you're a free trial. So um, it's definitely worth it. It was very good. Um, another thing, completely different direction here. But this is, <laughs> uh, I'm very curious if you've seen this or not. I don't know how people have seen this movie. I came across this on Amazon Prime. And it just, hmm. the it, it, it kind of piqued my curiosity. Uh, it's a movie called Mikey from 1982. No. Okay. What is that? <laughs> it's uh I really love the subgenre of like killer kid movies. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's a killer kid movie. This movie is fucking bonkers. Like it is ban it's bananas from the jump. Like I will t it starts. This is how it starts. Okay. So the kid, if you've seen the movie Blank Check, uh uh, which okay. I think a lot of people around my age have seen uh, the that Disney movie Blink Check. I think his name's Brian Bonsall or Bosnall. Um, he plays Mikey. He's a kid who he's uh, getting passed through foster care. He keeps getting adopted. So the movie starts like opens with him uh, tricking his adopted sister into drowning in a pool, throwing oh. a hair dryer into the tub while his mom's in it, and then beating his dad with a baseball bat. That's literally five minutes into the movie. <laughs> like, and I was like, what's happening? Like, I hadn't even got settled That's yet. That's brutal. It's insanely dark and brutal. Like, it's, I mean, it's got this weird tone of, like, a Lifetime movie, but, like, a really messed up Lifetime movie. And the funny thing is, not even as well made as a Lifetime movie, because that's the weird thing. It's a very oh, wow. entertaining movie, because you're constantly like, what the fuck is happening? But it's very poorly made. Like, to the point, there was a scene. <laughs> It's a scene where uh, the main kid, Mikey, is in like a classroom talking to his teacher, actually played by Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser. Uh, <laughs> um, and he's talking to her. And so it's like it cuts to her 
and it cuts mm. back to him and he's in like a black shirt cuts back to her cuts back to him then he's in like a dark red shirt he's in a whole different shirt oh. in the same scene i was like who made this movie <laughs> like that seems pretty basic not change the kid's shirt in- entirely like it was so bizarre and it's not like the time changed just like He's talking here. She's talking there. So that's how inept the movie is. Like, it's not well made. That's majorly weird. I mean, then it's the crazy thing about, like, um, I love these killer kid movies because there's always, like, people will not believe that kid is killing people until he's trying to actively stab them. Yes. He's got a, he could be, he so many red flags that people ignore. And then he's actively trying to kill them. And they're like, maybe they were right about Mikey. You know, it's like. Absolutely. Yeah. The the killer kid genre is, it's a well that (laughs) you can continue to draw from. It's, oh man. It's so entertaining. Yes, it really was. Like I was so entertained, but it's, it's kind of trash, but it's like, it's really entertaining trash. Like, but that's okay though. Like that's. That's the beauty of the killer kid movie is that <laughs> it can be terrifying or it can be hilarious. Yeah. And yeah. either way, you're a winner. <laughs> Basically. And I will say this just to, to the last thing about Mikey is that the, where it ended, the kind of the last big thing in the movie, I literally like I was by myself and I screamed out loud and then laughed. But like a scream of like, holy shit, <laughs> like a what? <laughs> disbelief disbelief a scream of disbelief and then followed by laughter because i just this oh my god mikey on amazon prime people i don't know if you it's it's completely bananas uh so that was fun um and then i don't even know how to transition anything else after that but uh another completely opposite end of the spectrum this is a classy very well-made movie um i watched judas and the black messiah on hbo max oh how was that it was really, really good. I mean, it was nice. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it was, and I think I watched this the, the same day I watched Mikey. So to go from to go Whiplash. from that, yeah, the quality level was like whoa. Like, um, yeah, it's really, really well done. Um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, and I feel so bad because I can never pronounce his name. Daniel Kalua from Get Out. Is it clue? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the main guy from Get Out. They they both are you know the main characters, and they give amazing performances. I mean, a lot of people have been praising this movie. I don't think anyone needs me to tell them that it's really good. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was really good. It's uh, definitely like got. I probably say it's the best thing I've seen so far this year. So um, nice. if you have HBO Max, you definitely everybody should watch that because it'll leave. I think middle of march it stays on there for like a month and then it's off so it's really good yeah so you're on a time limit maybe skip the watch list and just watch it (laughs) pop it right to the top um yeah yeah i just i just it's a really good movie i don't know what i'll say about it uh and then the the last thing which actually will segue nicely and talk about mandy um is i watched willie's wonderland with nicholas cage oh i did too okay (laughs) (laughs) what uh, uh what did you think I really enjoyed myself. I did too. I, I did too. I really did. This it's not a perfect movie. No, no, no. <laughs> not by a long shot. And you know, I mean, it's it's, it's Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage. And when I say that, I don't, I don't mean it's it's him giving a unique performance. Yes. Yeah. I, I almost I, I've been going back and forth whether to mention this, but I think it's important to people haven't seen the movie to know 
kind of what he's doing going in because if you don't know you might be disappointed if you expect another thing if that makes sense <laughs> like um i know exactly what you're getting at he, yeah he doesn't now give me if i correct me wrong he doesn't say a line of dialogue the whole movie right <laughs> no not one okay I, which i kind of was loving watching because first of all I, like i just enjoyed watching him give this purely physical performance yeah. um and i felt like he was like playing around like it's almost like a challenge for him like can i do this whole movie without talking and he's like yes i can because of nicholas cage <laughs> like um and i really like that choice i know a lot of people don't like that choice and i kind of get it because uh you know you kind of expect certain things nicholas cage but um right. he's very fun to watch in this even it you know, I don't know. I just him playing pinball was amazing. Like I could, that could have been the whole movie. So. Oh, totally. I I would watch two <laughs> hours of Nicolas Cage playing pinball, and that's not hyperbole. I would do it <laughs> if would it was available. Well, and and I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna really dig into this as mm. we talk about this movie, the the feature film for this evening being Mandy, but. <laughs> You know, this is the thing about Nicolas Cage is that he, whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how quality the material is or not. He is always giving it 100%. He is always delivering something different. Mm-hmm. He is always completely giving himself over to this role and making unique choices. Sometimes people like the choices that he's made. Sometimes they don't. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't always work for everybody. But I think the thing about Nicolas Cage is that to go into a Nicolas Cage movie expecting Nicolas Cage to do one particular thing, that's just not who he is as an artist. And I consider the man an artist. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he approaches acting like performance art. (laughs) Like, it's always (laughs) something... It's always something fresh and different, and he's he's got his own way of doing things. And it's not always what you expect, and it's not the same across all the movies in his career. And I think, you know, if we look at his filmography, you can see different periods where he does some, he has some similar films, or he's mm-hmm. he's doing, you know, there's some parallels in the performances he's giving, but it really is, there's like a full spectrum of Cage. <laughs> there and it is. That's a Willy's, very good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and Willie's Wonderland is is just is just one spot on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've never seen him do anything quite like this. So I was very interested right. in what he was doing. <laughs> like I was like, oh, this is different. And uh it seems like he's having a lot of fun. Um yeah. he seems like he's like got the attitude, like, yeah, I'll come in and elevate your movie. It's fine. I'm having fun here. You know, he's just like, I'll come oh, in and do totally. this. Because the movie, I don't think the movie works without him, honestly, at all. I don't know. Like, I can't, not near, not nearly as well without him. Like, yeah. I mean, he's fighting these giant animatronics, which is all fun. It's like kind of a sequence of like, fight an animatronic, go drink an energy drink, play some pinball, go back, fight another one. <laughs> like, which I'm cool with. But I mean, he he just makes it entertaining. Like, you want to watch Nicolas Cage. You know, I mean, we do at least. I don't know about anybody else, but like, we yeah, both of us definitely do. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's not a great movie, but I I liked it uh, well enough. I, you know, it was kind of it was funny because I posted about this on Twitter. It was like I don't pull the the trigger on like twenty dollar rentals a lot, but I did it for this movie. <laughs> um, 
Um, Don't know if I could advise everybody to do that, but I mean, I had fun with it. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, Nicolas Cage is great. I don't know what to say. (laughs) If for, for listeners who love Nicolas Cage in all his many incarnations, I would say, yeah, you can take a chance on the 20 bucks. You're probably going to enjoy. At the very least, you're going to enjoy what he's doing here. Mm -hmm. For people who are kind of iffy on Nicolas Cage, that's maybe more of a gamble. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If if you're a fan of the man's work, I, I think it's probably you'll probably you probably won't feel cheated. I would hope so. Yeah, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I definitely think it's fun. I uh, people's expectations might have been built up too high or something else to me. It's kind of like, you know, it's fairly low budget from what I can tell. It's you yeah. Know, um, there's some spotty CGI, but they did seem to like use a lot of practical stuff. The animatronic kind of switches back between like a practical yeah. and CGI. But I mean, it's it's this interesting. This is the thing I, about trailers. <laughs> I'm curious. <Yes. laughs> I'm curious how you feel about trailers. Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you really enjoy watching trailers? You watch a bunch of trailers. Are you kind of more choosy or, you know, like how, how do you feel about trailers? I, I guess I'd say this. I admire the people that I hear say, uh, oh, I never watch trailers for things. Cause I kind of can't help myself, even though I kind of want to yeah. be that person. <laughs> uh, cause then there's some trailers I'll watch like over and over. Like, let me think, um, when they put out that Batman trailer a few months ago with Robin Pattinson, right. I think I watched that like six times in a day because I was like so fired up. Um, but then sometimes it's it's hard because there's so many movies coming out, especially on streaming. You don't really totally. get a trailer like, you know, or you might miss the trailer very easily. So there's a lot of things I watch without trailers, which which I kind of like because, you know, it is nice to go into a completely blind, you know, or maybe I know a synopsis and who's in it. And, right. you know, because trailers tend to give things away a lot. <laughs> So. Yeah, I have a complicated relationship with trailers because <laughs> it, it can depending because trailers are marketing. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes that marketing builds up a finished product that maybe doesn't live up to what the trailer is selling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be disappointing if you watch a trailer and you're expecting one thing and then you go to the movie and you get something different. Um. Or, you know, if it if it just, you know, it affects your expectations or if it's got spoilers in it and, and you really didn't want to be spoiled. <laughs> yeah, it's and but sometimes you just can't help it. Like when I when I saw online that there was a trailer for a new Nicolas Cage movie and it involved animatronic creepy. <laughs> I was like, I had to watch it. Like, right. I, I wasn't <laughs> not going to watch it. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I I enjoyed the movie, um, but but yeah, it's 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 the gamble, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, but I still. It's like one of my favorite parts going to the movies is watching like the trailers for it. People complain, oh, there's too many trailers, but I'm like, I kind of love it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I uh, yeah. If I'm going to the movies in the theater, I want to get there early enough to get the perfect seat and have all of my snacks. And yes. catch all the trailers. I can't stand yes. walking in in the middle of the trailers or missing the trailers. It bothers oh. me. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. We're exactly the same on that. This is like, this is amazing. This is like the only thing that I'm really like. Uh, I don't want to use the word OCD. I, I'm very like 
I'm very like loose about like going places and time. Usually I'm like go with the flow type of guy with my friends like that. But like when we're going to see a movie, I'm the guy who's like in charge going, we have to be there, <laughs> you know, this early right. and we have to do blah, blah, blah. And like, I get like, uh, you know, crazy about it. I hate being late. Like I don't even want, it's almost like the point where I don't even want to go into the movie if I'm even like five minutes late to it. I'm like, nope. It's like, you know, I, I hate that. No, it drives totally. me nuts. Even missing the trailers. I hate coming in the middle of the trailer. It drives me nuts. So it's a weird, like, uh, compulsive thing, I think. But I'm with no, you. I got to be the there same early. way. And, like, if, like... <laughs> If I get to the movie theater and we're already running late and I'm in danger of missing the trailers, I'm like, no, I'm just not going to have any snacks. <laughs> because oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard choice. I'm but... not standing in this line and being more late. Mm -hmm. And so whoever, whoever's accompanying me to the theater is like, but I'm hungry. I want snacks. I'm like, well, you go ahead and get your snacks. <laughs> go sit down. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not missing it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same way. Like, I'll go with somebody else and like hopefully someone will go uh if they don't care i'll be like can you grab me this i gotta go get my seat and catch all these trailers and i've got to have marie Nunes tell me about the next tnt show coming up i can't miss right <laughs> i can't miss the, i i'm really getting the point now where i miss theater so much i'm missing all the pre-show stuff which i used to not like oh, I, I kind of i miss it i miss newbie i miss the, the newbie arcade <laughs> i don't know if you guys what what theater chains do you have near you oh man well you know i, I live in alameda california mm-hmm and we have it's an old historic theater that they they built on a multiplex. Oh, um, okay. So they're kind of they're independent. They're not they're not part of one of the chains. So they usually have like trivia or they have like advertisements for local businesses. Mm. Uh, they have this they have this really fun but cheesy animation. It's like the snacks are telling you what not to do in the theater. <laughs> But my favorite is they have this little, you can tell that they just like self-produced this, this little PSA about they're starting to do reusable cups instead of disposable. Mm -hmm. And so it's talking to you about how to recycle all of your snacks and they have like little <laughs> cups with little googly eyes on them. It's, <laughs> I love it. I, I love that so kind much. of like small, like they made it themselves independent charm, you know, it's like, cause we, yes. we basically have AMCs and Regals. That's like, you're not getting the Maria Menounos AMC pre-show. Over there, like. I'm not. No, unless I go to sometimes I'll end up going to an AMC that's there's a there's a couple that are, you know, 15 to 20 minutes with traffic to get to. And sometimes I have to go to those, mm -hmm. especially when there's like those um, those. Is it fandom? Fathom. 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 Events, oh, fathom when events, those, yeah. Yeah. When they do those anniversary screenings, mm -hmm. those always come to the local AMC theater. So. So I'll drive over to Emeryville or San Leandro and go to the AMC for one of those. And I miss those I, so oh much. Man. Oh, this is really making me nostalgic for theater. I know. <laughs> like, oh, I know. That's okay. Well, let's make ourselves there happy again by talking about AMC. Yes, there will be a time when we can go back. I hopefully sooner than later. So, um, but we can cheer ourselves up by talking about Mandy. So this is good. Oh yes. So, okay. So where to begin with this? I think I will just start by saying, like, before we get like deep into it and spoilers and all that, I think I will just ask for like, you remember the first time you saw it and like, what are your general thoughts about them? I feel like we both kind of spoil that we love it, but like, you're just your thoughts on the movie and when you first saw it. No, totally. So. So I first saw it when it became available for VOD. Mm -hmm. I rented it on Amazon. I was at home with my partner at the time. 
And I'm a much bigger Nick Cage fan. And I'm also a person who's way more into weird, bizarre shit. So, (laughs) but I, you know, I had seen, this is one I had seen the trailer. So I kind of knew what to expect. Only I didn't realize I really didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just remember sitting in the living room, watching this movie unfold before me, being totally engrossed in the experience, having no idea what was going to happen next. And when the movie was over, well, when, when the, when the movie ended and the credits started to roll, I was like kind of mouth agape. Like I, (laughs) Like, what? <laughs> and then I kind of started laughing to myself. That that laugh of, like, joy is like pure <laughs> mirth. Like, just the enjoyment of it. And I was, and, and I was, I was talking about, like, what? Oh, and we were just kind of trying to talk about it. And it was very clear that I was way more into it. And then, you know, kind of talking as the credits end credits are rolling and then the post credit scene comes up and mm-hmm. again i'm just like glued to it and it's a very short post credit scene but it was just like as soon as this was over i was like i need to watch this again and so i watched it again like a couple days later and oh, okay. i bought it on digital like i just i was all in from the jump what was your first time like you know what's so funny? Your first time sounds very similar to my first time watching this. Like, I was at home. I rented on VOD. I'm pr- I know I'd seen the trailer because it was a really good trailer because it didn't really give you mu- it gave you a lot of images. You know what I mean? It kind of right. gave you, like, the mood. and it, But it didn't spoil, like, it's kind of hard. You know what the story's going to be because it's kind of in the synopsis of what happens. But it didn't really. Sure. It just gave you the vibe. So I was like, I remember, I think, I think it ends with a chainsaw fight in the trailer. And I was like, holy shit, I got to see this movie because I was yeah. already in. And they pull that out. And I remember really being excited for it. And I'm, <laughs> this is so funny because it was, uh, I was in my old apartment at the time a couple years ago. And it was the it was like a brief time where my sister was staying with me. Um, like living there with me. And I'm so glad someone actually was there to witness this because like, so she didn't watch it with me, but it's like she, I was, I just put on, I turned the lights off, which you never do really for a movie. Like this was an event, you know, it was like, I got to watch Mandy. So I'm totally into it from the jump all the way to the end. And at one point my sister like comes out, like there's like, like a long hallway that leads to the bathroom. And from the hallway, you can see the person sitting on the couch. So she comes out of the bathroom and like looks at me and she's like, what are you watching? And I said, uh, I said, I'm watching a called Man, you're Nicholas Cage. He goes, okay, because your face has a look of you're scared, but you're also really excited. It's like, what, or happy or something. Like, what do you, what? it's like, it's the weirdest look. And I'm like, that's how I feel. Like, I'm like, I'm that's kind awesome. of horrified, but I'm so like excited and happy in this movie. So I, I was floored from the get go. It, it ended and I was like, that movie was amazing. And the only thing that's different here, this is crazy because of how much I love this movie since that first viewing like was so amazing and so special and uh-huh. felt so like I have not watched it again since this weekend to watch it for this podcast. Oh, wow. I know. I, cause I do this thing with movies where I, sometimes I uh, mythologize them to the, you know, the point where it's like, if I have like an amazing first viewing, I almost don't want to ruin that magic. I'm scared to go back and right, watch right. it again, which I thought would and happen with Mandy. Apart. 
yeah, I don't, I don't, it's like almost like that was special. Don't, you know, uh, I knew I'd watch it again. I just didn't know when. And uh, this time right. still held up. It was, it's like same emotions, same feeling, um, like did not lose any, any weight for me. It was still amazing. I think at the end I was still like mouth agape, like, oh my God, I love this movie. Uh, it's like, so <laughs> I, I love it so much. I would go as far as to say that it, it might be my favorite movie of the 2010s. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's definitely in my top three. Yeah, it would definitely be top three. I, it's t- I mean, that's a big claim. I don't like to make big hype <laughs> statements like that. But but I'm like, I don't know what I could put. Nothing has really hit me like that in such a long time. That like that first viewing, especially uh, it. It's just so my aesthetic and it feels like it was made for me. <laughs> like, um, totally. And I think you feel the same way. So I, I just. Yeah, I, it's see, this is why it's hard to talk about because I feel like I'm just gonna start gushing about it because it and it's more of like a a feel or like a mood than almost anything else, which is hard to no, convey absolutely. To and so, and that's yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I would I would tell someone is that it is this movie is an experience, the 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 bones of the plot are very simple, mm-hmm. um, and of course, like you know, there's some trippy psychedelic stuff going on. But at its heart, this movie is all mood. It's all ambiance. It's all experience. Like this is a movie. Like when I watch it, and I've I've seen it now maybe five times. It's like it washes over you. It's like a feeling. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not every, you know, I mean, not everybody is looking for that in a film and that's okay. Um, but I would say like to anyone sitting down to watch this or who maybe watched it the first time and wasn't, isn't so sure. And they're thinking about watching it again, giving it a second shot, like to just go in as an experience, like it's, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah i love you said it washes over you because that's what i kept thinking when i was watching it this weekend i was like this movie just like, washes over me like it's just uh it's i don't it's so strange it's kind of it's dreamlike in a way and it becomes like a nightmare at certain points it's it's very much like uh, yeah i like I, I said this recently to somebody i can't remember who it was but about how when i get as i get older plot seems to mean less and less to me and more about like how the movie makes me feel or and how it right. looks and every like the plot is so because I was thinking it's like the plot is so like secondary or it's just so simple you know it's we don't need like it's not complicated you know um it's so visceral it feels emotional it's just um yeah I mean so absolutely I'm not... <laughs> it's 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 pulpy but it's artsy it's yes, horror yeah. <laughs> but it's fantasy but it's also action but it's psychedelic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's all of those things. So I feel like there's a little something, maybe not for everyone, everyone, but there's something that'll grab most people in here. And I think if you go into it expecting, just kind of knowing that this is not like your typical kind of narrative storytelling, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's an opportunity for for just getting to enjoy all those different elements and it's it's kind of i like um listening to the director talk about it 
Panos Cosmatos, like he, the way he talks about it and the way, like I watched some of the beside the behind scenes um, specials that are on the Blu-ray. I actually did that this weekend in preparation. I had not watched them. I realized. <laughs> um, so I was already doing my homework. I didn't even know I had an assignment. And they kind of talk about how this movie is very personal to him in the way that he just put in all the elements of things he loves. Mm-hmm. Metal and science fiction and fantasy stories. And he just drew from all of these interests that he has. He wasn't setting out to have a movie be one specific genre or one specific mood. He was he's just kind of going with the things that he loves. And I think that that comes through. And I think as a person who loves a lot of those same things, it's just really easy to connect with this movie on all those little levels. Yeah. I'm glad you said that too, because I was going to mention that about uh, Panos where it feels like, and I think he said as much that this is just stuff that he loves. And this really feels like a, you know, when they, I think they use this word a lot when they do like critics say like, Oh, this is a singular vision from a visionary filmmaker, but it really, this feels like that. This really feels like this is so handcrafted by one person. I know there was a co-writer I saw, but I mean, he wrote this, he directed it. Uh, it, This feels so much like his vision, like pure, like nobody touched this. You know what I mean? This feels like they let him do whatever he wanted. And I love that. Like, I love when like a director just gets to do exactly what they wanted. Um, and it's just, yeah, everything he loves comes through uh, so clearly. <laughs> it's like, I didn't realize how much I love all these things. They put that one movie and I'm like, I do like all this stuff too. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's, he, he just, he found a way to, to blend, to kind of pair all these things together. And it just, it really works. It, it really I, does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. And I, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that, you know, visually, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful colors and the score oh, by Johan Johansson <laughs> is amazing. Mm-hmm. But there's also I the thing that really caught me this time watching it in preparation for our discussion is is just how much I get invested in Red Miller, who is played by Nicolas Cage. And Mandy Bloom, who is played by Andrea Riseborough, like how invested they can get me in these characters with no flashback scenes to their backstory, with no exposition about how they met or how long they've been together or any of that. It's, I think, because the director and as a writer, because he just, I get the feeling that he knows people like this that he draws and he's drawn inspiration from people that he knows. And so their conversations feel very organic. And I feel like I know them like mm-hmm. they feel like, like people I would know, of course, as the movie goes on and the <laughs> yeah. situation gets crazy, obviously it veers off into the, you know, the more fantastical, but in those initial scenes, it's like, like I've, I've known people like Mandy, um, and she just, it just felt, they feel very true. The characters feel very true. And I buy their bond immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I care about it. I care about their bonds. I don't need to have a bunch of exposition. Uh, I don't need to have a bunch of other characters for them to dialogue about their relationship to. I get it. They do such a beautiful job of introducing these characters 
and and having us get to know them through the everyday stuff they're doing and the everyday conversations that they're having. Yeah. Oh, that was wonderfully said. Because <laughs> I, my, yeah, I had back to the beginning of this because it's basically a movie of like two halves. It's then the first half yes. is, uh, it starts like you get like thirty to forty minutes of like just mostly them being them. And like, I love that they have their own lives before this crazy thing happens. They feel like a real couple. Um, he seems like he has some demons in the past, like maybe alcoholism. Like he has some, you know, yeah. rage issues. She ha- is this artist. He loves to read these fantasy books. He seems really, I love that he seems really into like the, the art, the art she does. Like the, he, yeah. Panos uses these like small, Mo- like moments and these small little things to kind of paint the bigger picture of like who they are. And yet you don't need much. Like you said, you don't need big backstory and exposition um, and to, to kind of get their relationship and kind of ground that kind of grounds the whole thing to make the back. Totally. Work. You know, that makes the, <laughs> that makes the second half work because we're so invested in Mandy and red and their relationship. And they feel like real people who have real interests and, um, then their lives are like kind of torn apart by this crazy incident. But I mean, that that's what I think I was noticing this time. He takes so much time to set up that relationship before, you know, then the horrible thing happens. It becomes a revenge movie in the back half, which I love yeah. both halves of the movie. But um, totally. Yeah. The second half does not work without the first half. And you put it so well that it's just it's done so fantastically. So, um, yeah. And can we talk about how good Nicolas Cage and Andrea Riseborough are in this? Because <laughs> they're incredible. Yeah, they have a great chemistry. I, you know, and, and Red doesn't say much. Mm-hmm. I think in most of the scenes where they're talking, Mandy is doing more of the talking. It's true. He kind of like. But I, but I, yeah, but I love <laughs> yeah. that even when she's talking, Nicolas Cage is emoting. Like mm-hmm. you, he's, he's using his facial expressions and you can see that like he cares about what she's saying. Yeah, that's true. Without even have, having to say it, yeah. you can tell he's invested. You, that's, you can tell he's invested in like everything she does, like with the art that she shows him and just her talking. Absolutely. He's not checked out. He's, he's there. He's, he cares about her. Um, yeah. And it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. And the, the mm-hmm. setting that they're in that little, quirky yeah, house in the middle thing. of yeah. nowhere you know so there are these two people who had it rough before now they're together united front living this secluded life on this idyllic lake creating art and talking about planets like <laughs> but it's it's like it's so beautiful and i'm like i mentioned before i'm not i'm not big on like rom-coms i don't i don't i'm not i'm not big on romantic movies but this is a love story that i can get invested in yeah because they have that great chemistry their conversations and and the way that they relate to each other and the way that these two actors are able to bring that chemistry out it's just it's it's really well done yeah, it's it's so good. And I was going to say back to Nicolas Cage really quick, because uh, uh, I don't know if you read this or not. I read this before we started that that he apparently went through a real life divorce, like very close to this movie starting. Mm. Apparently, he said he used that to kind of fuel this performance of, I guess, kind of the loss part in the second half, you know, yeah. but, uh, 
reading that, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense for how things go in this movie. With the, oh, the, totally. There's a real pain uh, in him. I feel like he feels kind of wounded before even anything mm. happens to Mandy. But mm-hmm. afterwards, it's like, oof, you've unleashed the beast now. So, um, yeah, it's so good. And I, I want to say this about Cage. You brought this up earlier a little bit about Willie's Wonderland. And I always think of it, Nicolas Cage. And like, he's not. Uh, he's not great 100% of time, but like every movie's not a winner. But I feel like Nicolas Cage basically brings you everything. He brings you lightning. If you want to harness the lightning, that's up to mm-hmm. you. Uh, so either you harness it, you power your movie, or you get electrocuted by it and you burn <laughs> you burn the movie. But I, I feel like that's Hanos a great knows... way of saying it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't want to sound douchey, but it's like I feel like no, no, you're spot on. <laughs> he brings you so much, and I feel like so many directors just don't know how to what to do with it you know but like panos mm-hmm. knows perfectly how to use him i feel like and when nicholas cage with a good director it's i mean that's just the best you know it's just then you've got yeah. magic right there so i just had to say this that part a, it's a perfect role for him and i i you know i had read that originally they were thinking of him for the part of jeremiah sand the cult leader mm-hmm. and it was his interest in playing red that ended up you know, cha- changing how that turned out. But I'm so glad he did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because I feel like the red character starts out pretty subtle and every man. But you get those hints. He's able to give us those hints of that this is a wounded guy mm-hmm. with a whole lot of backstory that we don't know, but is like bubbling underneath. And so when this tragedy occurs, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the tiger is out of the cage <laughs> <laughs> and it will literally be later in the movie but <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's so good there's so much going on like beneath the surface with him um and let me see here i'm just looking through all these i have so many notes of this movie i told you before i was like because i was so excited to talk about it um and i'm so glad nicholas cage pushed to not be the cult leader because i'm, I'm yeah. sure he would have done good but he would have done a good job but it's you know it I can't imagine it not being him as red now, but, and it's funny. Yeah. Cause Panos apparently sounded very like, I think it took like a year or something for them to come back around. And, uh, I think I read that, um, uh, Elijah Wood, cause he's a producer on this. Yeah. Uh, somehow yeah. got them together and got them sit down again. And then I guess Panos was open to it at that point. But, uh, I'm so glad that that happened. Cause how easily could that have just, you know, not have missed and we don't get this movie, but, um, totally. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I feel like, um, the guy that plays the cult leader, Jeremiah Sand, Linus Roach, Roach, yes. uh, is really good. He's he's very slimy. He's, he's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, so, do you watch much uh, uh, Law and Order? I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay. So once upon a time, I used to watch Law and Order all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so and so he used to be on Law and Order and he was uh, a district attorney. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't remember for how many seasons he was a district attorney on Law and Order, but you know, the role was very like he looked very Wall Street mm-hmm. in that, clean cut, uh, very neat haircut and three-piece pinstripe suits and talking about the law. So to see him embody this narcissistic hippie cult leader and like sell it, completely (laughs) become that character, Mm -hmm. 
that's amazing. Yeah. Truly. I was blown away because I saw that apparently he played uh, Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins. He was Batman's dad. Yeah. In that movie. And I'm thinking of him in that. I'm like, wait, what? He looks completely different. And he's like kind of the clean cut rich guy type, you know, look. Yeah. And then this, I was blown away. And uh, I want to, the scene I feel like is really pivotal in the movie. And it's him and Mandy. And because he basically he sees Mandy and he just is like, get her for me. He just wants her. He sees her on the road and he wants her because he's like this cult leader and get whatever he wants. So he <laughs> sends these guys after her. Um, and we can get into the crazy biker gang, Cenobite from hell people. Oh, <laughs> we will. I'm sure. Amazing. But the part so they bring Mandy back. I, I don't think his plan is to kill her. But then the minute he. <laughs> I kind of laugh at this now because because of like how little a man he is where he takes his robe off and he's standing in front of her naked oh, and she God. just laughs at him. Yeah. And then yeah. he has to kill her because his ego can't take this. You know, it's like his fragile ego is destroyed, I think. And uh, that just sets him off. And I'm just like, yeah, he's playing this like super narcissistic, fragile you know, guy. And it's, it's, you know, there's so many layers to his character, too. I mean, he's just so weird and. I don't know. I just thought that scene uh, this time even more stood out about how good she, Andrew Riseborough is in that um, and him and just, oh, yeah, how that how that changes the whole story right there. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, and, and both of these scenes are two of my favorites from the movie mm-hmm. when they pass her on the road oh, and then yeah. <laughs> and then when they've abducted her and, and he presents himself to be adored, um, you know, because. Andrea Risenborough as Mandy, she's so haunting. She is. Yeah, and, just the look. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just haunting in like the best way. And so when he passes her, like, okay, I get it. Like she's this walking <laughs> ethereal enigma. She's gorgeous in this really unique way and she's very there's just like it's like mystery walking she's just like you can't take your eyes off her so i get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know abducting this woman this is never gonna go well but you know this guy like you said his ego he's he wants what he wants and he has a group of followers who say yes to his every whim and one of the things I thought was really cool was that, so I watch a lot of true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, he gives me some definite like Charlie Manson vibes. Oh yeah. With the music <laughs> career and you know, the sex stuff and the drugs and all of that. It's, it's like, it's, it's very Charlie Manson, but I love that, you know, when we in, in kind of pop culture, when people talk about Charlie Manson, like we don't ever, you don't hear a lot of, we don't, we aren't privy to whatever vulnerabilities lie behind all of his weird showy um, interviews and footage mm-hmm. and and the outlandish things he said and did. And what I really think is cool about this Jeremiah Sand character is that we do get some of those layers. We do get to see him breaking down in the mirror because he doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do. Now that Mandy has rejected him, (laughs) Um, you know, like, and even just the way that he, he starts the seduction by he's going to play his record. And then he asks her how she feels about the carpenters (laughs) (laughs) and he thinks they're amazing. And you're just like, that's like the most awkward pickup line ever. (laughs) Where's this going? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you should really be smoother than this, but 
but he's not. And, and, <laughs> no, it, he's and not. at the heart, he has no idea what he's actually doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's just, it's a really interesting character. And, and Linus Roach does such a good job of having like all his mood swings where one minute he's very calmly talking and then he's like barking orders and he just kind of drifts in and out of these, these tangents. It's, it's just really interesting to watch. Yeah, it's a good performance. And there's, I mean, it's kind of a tough performance, a lot going on. Plus he has to get fully naked on camera, which I can't imagine is like super, uh, right. you know, probably seems awkward, but yeah. And I hate to even invoke this man's name cause we're rid of him finally, but this movie came out 2018 <laughs> right in the middle of the Trump presidency. And somebody mentioned that, I don't remember if it was, I don't think it was Pano, I think some some critic mentioned this, but I couldn't stop thinking about it, that the cult leader oh, no. was just like Trump. It, was like, oh. uh, it just reminded them so much of Trump and how his ego would be destroyed if a woman laughed at him naked in front of them. And uh, that's all I could, it kind of does make me laugh. So I kind of like it because I like to think yeah. of him like well, getting humiliated. But it's like, yeah, oh Yeah, I mean, man. he's definitely, he's that, ar- he's that archetype. Right. And, and we see maybe not as extreme versions of that all over the place, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> this guy wants what he wants when he wants it and he feels entitled and he's going to take it and he can't accept rejection. And I mean, that's all there. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Once someone pointed it out, I was like, oh, no, why do you put this in my head? Because it's all I can think of now. But um, no, it's so cool. <laughs> Just the way that whole scene is shot with the um, oh, with their faces, the, kind of the, the tracers, and then the overlapping faces, yes, and yeah, the pink and the blue, and um, yeah, it's just really well done to kind of put you in that mood of like if you were in a room full of people that are on hallucinogens, like mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it yeah. puts and- you in this disorienting. <laughs> kind of beautiful but kind of spooky frame of mind yeah i i agree completely i'm glad you mentioned how, how well that was shot too because i do love how in a movie of, that looks amazing all the way through i do love how that scene is shot in particular it's very like you said it's like hallucinogenic you know like there's a whole effect with the faces overlapping mandy and and um jeremiah and their faces overlapping this looks really cool and um God, and then and then I think it's I think it's right after that, but um, we get into the basically when when Mandy is killed in front of Red and how much that hits because we spent the whole half the movie <laughs> with both of them and how hard oh, that totally. hits and it's heartbreaking and the score is amazing there and Nicolas Cage is amazing in that moment like oh my God it absolutely uh, oh yeah it just it I was hits. thinking this time around about the parallel between the story that Mandy tells Red about the little starlings in the pillowcase. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then her death in a sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. And it's like in Mandy's story about the starlings, she gets to run away from the horror of watching her dad <laughs> instruct <laughs> these children to murder these innocent birds. Um, and then in Mandy's death, you know, she's strung up in this sleeping bag and Red is forced to watch. And I, you kind of get the, like I got kind of got the feeling from Mandy's telling of her story of what it was like growing up with her dad, even though it's just this one anecdote that she's probably been running from that, like from her home life and from the way her childhood was. 
and and she had done a pretty good job of it by finding Red and and then moving to their little secluded hideaway. Red doesn't get that option. He's you know he's tied up and he's forced to watch and you know so you kind of it's like. <laughs> It's like everything that comes after that is totally justified. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 no. I mean, because he's been wrong. He's been wrong, very, very wronged. And then it's like you, the audience, you know, gets to know her and and care about her. And then we're we're on his side. Um, And I feel like I have to bring this up. And it's come up a lot on other podcasts recently. And it's the idea. I'm curious how you feel about this. It's the idea of in movies of fridging, which I assume you know. (laughs) Like, because I, I don't think. I, I want to think Mandy rises above like a basic um, case of, okay, this guy has a woman she's killed. He goes out for revenge. Cause I feel like it gives more, uh, more character to her than you would normally get in this kind of situation. And like right. and the movies aimed after the whole thing's about her. It's never like uh, some of these action movies I watch where it's like, it's barely mentioned the guy, you know, like he comes home and you, the wife's dead and you never, they kind of mention a couple of times, but it's never, like an emotional thing. It's more of like a, just a right. set the plot off convenient, you know? Like, so I, I was just curious right. your take on that. Cause it come up a lot. And I was like, Oh God, I hope Mandy's not like, you know, like basic fridging. I think it rises above it, but I, I'm curious to your take on it. So. Right. I mean, I, you know, that's, it's not something I'm, I'm looking for mm-hmm. when I'm watching films, but I'm aware, uh, I'm aware of the term and I, and I get, when people see that in a movie, something that, you know, where a, a female characters, it seems like she's been killed off just to give the male protagonist, you know, their purpose. Like I, I get, I, I get where that affects people and their enjoyment of a film for this one. I'm with you in that. I think, I think that they do a really good job of building that relationship and and i you know i it doesn't bother me i feel like it works i feel emotionally invested in them and i feel like even after she's gone mandy is still with us throughout the rest of the film Mm. in a way that's what i was thinking too it's because i i was saying like I mean, the whole thing seems like it's up for her. It's she's it's about her. Like it she's through the whole revenge bot. It ends back with her. Like, I mean, it feels like this yeah. is not a, you know, we introduced a wife in the first 10 minutes and we killed her off immediately. And then we never we never see her here. We barely hear about her the rest of the movie. And, you know, what's the point? Um, and it takes an hour. To, I mean, it takes a half the movie to get to the part where, yeah. where she's killed. So it, and I don't think from what I read about Panos, it seems like he was trying to push back against kind of typical uh action plot and like and like kind of the he, the whole thing about the, the cult leader kind of is about like the fragile male ego and and things like that sure so just when i read of him i don't think he's the kind of guy that would do that just to do it i feel because i feel like he gave it a lot of emotional weight you know what i mean he didn't just do it to yeah. do it so um it, it's funny because i wouldn't even ask but it, it literally has come up on like two or three podcasts in the past week i've listened to and i'm like oh i'm like i'm watching this movie mandy and i'm like this you know, fridging keeps coming up and I'm like, well, it's like she just died. Like he goes on revenge, but it just feels, it, it feels different to me than most of those uh, other right. kind of movies. So. Right. You know, and, and when I, I think that's one of the things, right. I mean, that's the thing about art. Mm-hmm. We can all be looking at the same piece of art. And 
all be seeing and feeling and interpreting in different ways. And, you know, so I, I definitely, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't say to somebody that's bullshit. This isn't fridging. <laughs> Cause if, mm -hmm. if that's their read, if, if when they look at this art, if that's what they took from it, then, I mean, that's valid. That wasn't what I took from it. Um, right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of one of those, it's all, it's all very subjective. That's true. Yeah. I just, I thought it was like kind of a thing to bring up. It's funny. I did find an article about, I Googled like Mandy and Frigine and I was like, oh, someone has written about this. So, uh, oh, I just, I'm sure. Yeah. I figured it'd be interesting to talk about this. I thought you're on the same page as me. I feel like Panos does enough, you know, service to everything that it's not a simple, you know, it's it, nothing about this is simple. You know what I mean? It's like, right. There's layers here and like, she's built up and she's so important to the whole movie. Like I said, the movie's called Mandy. I mean, it's literally all about her and, um, how much he loves her and how much we all as an audience care and like that we want to see Nicolas Cage, like go after these people. And uh, totally. he, he definitely does. Cause we can kind of get into the, the second half now about the, the whole revenge part, which um, this might've been some of the stuff where uh, my sister saw me and I probably looked like I was scared, but also really happy. Cause, <laughs> cause I'm thinking exactly of the scene where Nicolas Cage goes after these. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, there's, they conjure up, uh, the cult like has a this is an insane thing to say out loud, but they have like an yep. ocarina <laughs> and a sacrifice and they conjure up a uh, LSD like leather biker gang that are kind of like Cenobites from Hellrise Hellraiser. Um, and they're the ones that like take Mandy and they look terrifying. Uh, and, black skulls. The black skulls. And they're called. They got into a bad batch of LSD apparently. <laughs> I love is the explanation for what happened to them. It's like they got a real bad patch of LSD. <laughs> like so good. <laughs> the the uh, introduction of them when they when they kidnap Mandy. Oh. Or no, with the introduction the introduction of them when they're summoned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before they go to do the deed. It's amazing. So good. <laughs> it's, it's so surreal and it's so creepy. Yeah. And I, it's funny it's you mentioned very effective. When, it is. And when, when I mentioned they take Mandy, that's shot like maybe the most horror yes. thing in the whole movie because it almost has like a Hellraiser effect of like these like it's a lot of like strobe effects that you kind yep. of see them and you don't. They're just circling around their bed, which the whole it's funny because the whole time Nicolas Cage and Andrew Riceboro in their bed has been like this very like peaceful, dreamy place. They have a big window behind mm -hmm. them and then it becomes like this most terrifying, <laughs> you know, like nightmare that these guys these people come and take her and uh yeah it's it's terrifying and then i was thinking later when uh nicholas cage goes after them he gets caught he ends up in like their hideout and it's the part where oh one God. of these things is, is like watching porn and has like a cod piece like a giant sword or something and i think okay, that was let's the talk about this <laughs> let's talk about this have you seen uh, you've seen the movie seven Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I remember the first time I saw Seven when it first came out. When when you get to the lust kill in Seven, mm -hmm. you don't see full on how the kill was perpetuated, but you do see a picture of the device that was used. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you kind of see, you know, a bloody background. 
Spoiler alert for seven, anybody. <laughs> you had the movie's 25 old. years. Yeah. yeah, you've had 25 years. I remember when seven came out and the lust kill, even though you don't actually see the kill take place, it was the most horrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Just to see the device used, yeah. which was basically a, a strap-on harness with a blade. Oof. <laughs> so for this movie to have one of these black skulls wearing it and it's got blood on it and he's erect is yeah. <laughs> like all all of that comes flooding back from the first time I saw seven and my imagination had was just running a mile a minute trying to imagine and also trying not to imagine how <laughs> you kill someone with a device like this. Ooh, so for this yeah. movie to use that, I mean, it's genius because <laughs> I instantly have a visceral reaction. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that is awful. Red, kill him right now. <laughs> He's a bad man. Kill him. <laughs> like, He's a bad man. Kill him a lot. He fucks them up. I mean, it's it is sad. Listen, this is a satisfying arrangement of the back half because he like oh, this is yes. not. He's really messing people up, and it's it's fantastic. And uh, uh, it's funny. Back to Sam really quick because doesn't sorry. I, <laughs> doesn't somebody also? I can't remember the actor's name. Doesn't an actor kind of describe what happens to? Am yes. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. I the guy's name. He's been in some other Dear Fincher you, movies, but yeah, you, you get some. You get some. You kind of get the narrative. Mm-hmm. of of what took place but they don't you know but it you know they kind of you know these people are distraught <laughs> right right he guys like shaking it, remember the guys like freaking out yes and, he's so yeah. traumatized yeah and, and the uh, fact <laughs> that you're getting this broken version of the story and it's told by someone who's so traumatized it just adds you don't need any more details and like, you don't need a scene of seeing how it went down. Like, you can imagine how it went down and just your stomach turns. Oof, yeah. Because it's gnarly. <laughs> it's funny because they probably had to do that to avoid, like, an NC-17 rating. But I of think course. it becomes so much more effective when you just see yeah. the device and hear this guy, like, kind of describe what went down. Like, you get some details and it's no it's terrifying I, I do love seven but it is not a movie i watch very often because it's <laughs> it's pretty damn heavy but uh i do think it's like a masterpiece but uh, it's not a fun movie to put on like oh let's watch seven everybody <laughs> like, um, it's, it's like you watch that alone at night when you're sad or something <laughs> like it's, this is a late night film um but but yeah back to the the blade dildos and <laughs> yeah. blade strap on uh Gee. god so so genius and like yeah he makes these guys so like otherworldly but then like do weird stuff like watch porn and like and like look like they're hanging out like they're drinking beer like i mean it looks like oh, they're just totally. like, in this weird dilapidated house and like um nicholas cage shirts going off there and uh I, it's hard this is hard to talk about i feel like this stuff's like so visual and like visceral and him just going through and just I mean, it, like, I love a revenge movie of any kind, and this one is extremely satisfying to me because he basically, Absolutely. I think he gets everybody. I think he lets one girl live, I believe, because yes. she didn't do anything that bad, but he gets everybody else. And, uh, oh, my God, that chainsaw fight is, like, <laughs> amazing. Oh, it's awesome. Well, you know, one of the cool things about the way this movie is done is 
is you have the fantasy elements of this movie. And I think because it kind of draws these fantasy elements, you can have the most nefarious villain that would never exist in real life. But in a fantasy film, it works. And so because they've woven this fantasy theme throughout, it's like you can have these just disgusting villains and then you can revel in their death mm-hmm. and <laughs> and feel no guilt or shame about, <laughs> about how excited you are yeah. that they're dead. Yeah. Because, you know, you have that very classic good and evil kind of dynamic and they're just so evil, crazy evil, as Red tells us, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's, yeah, it's so satisfying. And because of the fantasy elements, I think it works. I don't need to question if that LSD story is true, where <laughs> these guys actually come from. Like, is this how they're dressed all the time? Right. <laughs> it doesn't like, even are, matter. Are they really like just LSD junkies? Are they really like some kind of demons from hell? Like what's going, you know, it's like, or another right. dimension. He's made everything so otherworldly. Yeah, who cares? It's like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's he's made everything so otherworldly that it's like, you don't have to worry about questioning anything. Like, yes. I don't have to ask, why does that man have like a five foot long chainsaw? It's like, it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it just looks cool. It's cool. You know, it's just... Um, everything is fair game, basically, which I love when it's the movie yes. takes all the the rules off and it's like, we can do whatever we want, you know, <laughs> and it's just anything. His imagination can run wild, which is just fantastic. Absolutely. Um, so and it gives you permission mm-hmm. to just yeah. <laughs> go with that. Yeah, to not stop asking questions. Just, in, <laughs> just let it like just let it be and just go for the ride. Because it's glorious. <laughs> it's so, so good. Um, anything, anything you can think to mention? I feel like I'm just kind of going through my notes here. And I'm like, now I'm at the point where I am just kind of like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. So <laughs> anything, anything you could think of that you really want to mention? I'm just trying to. <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of along the lines of, you know, the fantasy elements of this film and and how well it works. Like the world building here is great without a lot of exposition, without telling us a lot about what's going on in the greater world. But, you know, they, he sprinkles all of these little details that helps to like fill in and draw us in to this fantastical story. So like they have the horn of Abraxas. What the hell is the horn of Abraxas? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm but, going along with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm in. Blow that horn and let's find out what happens. Like <laughs> he uh when they when they're gonna stab red, he uses the tainted blade of the pale knight, and you're just like, Yes. <laughs> like, okay. I'm in, you know, yeah. All, of the, <laughs> all these little details, red fashioning the axe. Mm. Oh, I love that scene. Oh, yes, that is so good. Um, oh, man, it's, it's so cool. It it reminds me of like the opening title sequence of uh, opening credit sequence of uh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure was probably an influence yeah. on Thanos at some point. Probably so. like, <laughs> you know, molten metal being forged into this 
weapon of the righteous. Like, fuck yes. <laughs> more of that. You know, all these little details. You have fictional pop culture things in here that draws us into the world. Like, like the Cheddar uh, Goblin. <laughs> yes, the Cheddar Goblin. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novel that uh, Mandy is reading, The Seeker of the Serpent's Eye. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> they constructed that. Um, the Jeremiah Sand album, which I purchased. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they made it available on digital. Like, you know, That's you could amazing. download it. <laughs> I yeah. I yeah. mean, it's. <laughs> oh, gosh. So because <laughs> that's like my level of invested in this whole thing. I love it. Yeah. I need some more Mandy. My sand life. album. <laughs> I need a lot more Mandy stuff in my life. I don't know what I've been doing. I need to watch it more. I think that I've broken the barrier with the second viewing. I'm like, okay, it still holds up. I can watch it oh, more. I wanted to watch it like the next day. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to watch it again. But I but I held yeah, off. But I was gonna tell you a perfect double. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfect double feature on a night where you've got the time to spare. Okay. Carrie from nineteen seventy-six and then Mandy. Ooh. I love both these movies, so that that's good. I like that. <laughs> Oh, I recently, man. I recently, like a few months back, I watched those two on the same night. It's just a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> like a literal bloodbath. Yeah. Oh, man. And, I... and that revenge energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They work really well together. Okay. No, that's a good idea because I've been kind of wanting to wa- rewatch Carrie a little bit recently anyway, so I should probably just double that with Mandy and make it a night <laughs> just a bloodbath a period like because it, it is crazy I've had to make Mandy how violent it gets especially yeah. in the back half um which I'm kind of a sucker for like it's that's the kind of thing though I feel like this kind of movie I'd be very cautious to show to other people because first of all it's kind of weird and it's very violent um but I kind of love that stuff which is funny because in my I always tell people in real life people are shocked at my work when I'm like <laughs> I love horror movies like, oh, Matt, you're so nice. I'm like, yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean I like to murder people in real life. You know, I don't don't like real life gore. It's funny because I cannot look at like medical shows. Like if someone's doing surgery on TV, I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw up. Interesting. But in a movie, I can watch like Jeremiah Sand get his head crushed by Nicolas Cage. And I'm like, yeah, get him. You know, it's (laughs) because I know the craft behind these effects you know like someone made this you know um that helps and you know in this movie especially it's very stylized everything is very yeah. stylized and over the top so you know it's it's not the most realistic <laughs> no um, but I that like helps how they save also the most brutal death for for jeremiah because he just uses bare hands <laughs> and just oh like, yeah I'm like, oh, my. that was one thing I saw where I was like, holy shit. Like the first time I was like, whoa, that it, did not expect that to happen. I kind of love going back to this guy's like kind of all talk. He's like begging at the end. He has no defense. Yes. He's just on his knees begging. Uh, he He's completely broken down at that point. And he's just kind of showing that he's pretty much, a, you know, he's been a coward the whole time. So and then he just gets murdered. And I feel I feel good about everything. I'm like, oh, thank God. They're all dead. <laughs> The bad, the bad people are gone. Like I'm big. <laughs> listen, my my friend Ken has been on the show a few times. Will make fun of me because he's like, man, you are just a hound for justice through and through, especially in movies. Because I know black real life is much more gray than movies. Movies yes. are very black and white. Like we see everything the bad guys do in movies. Um, we know they deserve. It, you know what I mean? Like there's no oh, absolutely real life consequences. I'm like, oh, you know, kill them. You know, it's like a revenge movie. Get, I, so yeah, this one. 
especially satisfying. And I do, I love after that how it has the the perfect ending. I feel just with him that it's a quick flashback. It's like the only flashback we get to him seeing Mandy for the first time. I love it. It's all you need. That's all you need. Like you get everything from that quick moment of seeing Nicolas Cage see Mandy in that bar for the first time and then back him in the car covered in blood <laughs> looking like a crazy person and seeing her in the passenger seat and you're like oh yeah this was all for Mandy and I don't know what Nicolas Cage yeah. is going to do after this uh, what Red's going to do but um, I don't know <laughs> we have closed this book and it's wonderful from start to finish I yeah I don't know what else to say about it but if I don't want to cut you off you have more to say about the movie but <laughs> oh man I mean <laughs> there's I mean we could talk about this all night honestly because (laughs) it's like if you wanted to break down every little scene I mean we would just never it would just never end that's true um (laughs) you know and it's and you mentioned you know how the Jeremiah death scene was like shocking and I think that's one of the cool things about this movie is is just when you think it's hit it, like it's reached the limit of how far it's going to go. Mm-hmm. It goes further. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I thought I'd seen everything at that point. I was like, Oh nope, yeah. It, it, just, that, so. it just keeps, it just keeps pushing the limit, but it does it in such an artful way mm-hmm. that you're just swept up in it and you'll just go. I'll just go wherever <laughs> Panos is taking me. Yes, <laughs> well, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going with you. <laughs> like the scene with the chemist. Oh, yes. Yes. Is, you know, it's weird. It, it's a very weird scene. Yeah. I. It's a really weird scene. Because <laughs> the, the chemist is like communicating with, with Red, but Red isn't talking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, so like the chemist is doing his whole like, like wise burnout thing <laughs> and 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 there's a tiger in a cage and and you know what like it works it just works it's beautifully done and at this point like they've they keep you know they've pushed us and pushed us and pushed us along pushing our limits and it's like okay let's do this weird chemist with a <laughs> To the tiger. tiger why not yeah you're so deep in the movie at that point that i feel like it's a good time to put that scene in because it's really weird and you're kind of like what's going on but you're so if you're into the movie you're so in the movie at that point you don't you don't even question it you're like yes of course there's a chemist with a tiger great like what's going on <laughs> like just I'm, right. I'm with it you know and and he can like telepathically communicate with you like sure <laughs> sure why not <laughs> of course he can <laughs> these are like the best drugs on the planet of course he can <laughs> I don't I don't question it for a second. I I I don't care about the logic of it. It's um yeah, it just works. And I and I love, you know, when he says that red has been wronged. Mm-hmm. You know, and why they do like that like it, it's the movie giving us permission. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, like they're yeah. actually verbally giving us permission <laughs> to enjoy the slaughter. Mhm. And it just works. It just works. It's I, I agree. Yeah. I, that's, that's why I was like, I don't even, cause I could talk about like every scene and we'd be here for a oh, very yeah. long time. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, oh god, I'm trying to just think about anything else I want to mention. I don't, I don't want to wrap up too soon because I feel like we both love this movie. So, um, <laughs> well, I will ask you this kind of why because I knew I told you I was going to ask you this, and I, this is tough. I, the your, do you know? <laughs> speaking of Nicolas Cage, do you know your like top three Nicolas Cage movies? Because this is a hard uh, question to I me. Do. I, I asked you, and I was like, I don't know if I can answer this question, but I'm curious to hear your answer. <laughs> Oh so, no, I I I have okay. them. I know exactly what they are. Um, number one is Leaving Las Vegas, a movie I still really need to see because I I know he won the Oscar <laughs> for that, and it's probably probably is his best performance. But I have not seen that one. So sadly. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight up with you. Mm-hmm. Leaving Las Vegas is it's heavy. It's mm-hmm. real heavy. Most people that I know that have seen it have only been able to watch it once mm-hmm. because they were so, it, the story is just so heavy and it's pretty depressing. And the people that I've spoken with that have seen it said, oh yes, great <laughs> film, really well done. I'll never watch it again. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> That's kind of why I think I was avoiding it because I've had, not to get too personal for anybody, but I've had family members uh, who've dealt with alcoholism, which I know that whole movie is right. Nicholas Cage being alcoholic. Like my uncle uh, kind of passed away from how much he drank, you know, and it's so I, I, that, yeah. I think that's why I kind of put it, you know, <laughs> on the back burner because I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for the, uh, you know, Nicholas Cage alcohol movie because I've heard it's really heavy and um, it's very yeah. heavy. I, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I have my own personal history with alcoholism. And so when I, when I saw this, um, when I was kind of flirting with the idea of getting sober, mm-hmm. um, I, I saw it in 1997. Oh, okay. um, so two years after it had come out. And like, it's very, Nicolas Cage's performance as a, like hopeless chronic alcoholic is spot on. Mm-hmm. He manages to really embody like how disorienting it is to be inebriated all the time. And um, the desperation between binges and um, delirium tremens when, you know, people are DTing and having withdrawal symptoms. He is just, it, it, it's an Oscar-worthy performance, and I would also say that Elizabeth Shue, his co-star, she deserved an Oscar, too, if you ask me. But um, <laughs> it's a beautiful film. I would say to anybody, sit through it the one time. I understand if you can never watch it again, but it's it's just... And, and on such a small budget, it's just um, it's just amazing what they were able to accomplish... It's just a really, it's just a really poignant telling of this story about two lonely people coming together for this period of their lives where they're so lost. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. Yeah, I really gotta see it. It's just one of those things. It's like, I, I think I need to be in like the best mood so that I can handle it. Like I gotta be right. super yeah, no, happy. It's heavy. So, yeah, it is heavy. Uh, I watch I, I will... it once a year. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I, I'm going to watch it someday. It's just one of those things I've got to like psych myself up for. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's, it is, it's, 
it's a brutal watch. I get, I get why people have a hard time sitting through it more than once. Um, cause it is, it's pretty brutal. There is, I will give the, uh, the trigger warning for people that there is a, a rape scene in the film that is really, really hard to watch. Even after I've seen this thing upwards of 25 times, it's hard oh, to watch. Wow. Um, okay. yeah. Uh, but that's my number one, I think mm-hmm. because it has a lot of personal significance and then because his performance is just so amazing and the film is just so beautiful. So that's my number one. Uh, my number two is Valley Girl. Complete oh, opposite yes. end of the spectrum. <laughs> it's so good, though. It's he's so good in it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. Again, I'm not usually I'm not usually that jazzed on 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 romantic movies, but there's just something about the chemistry between. Um, his uh, between Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman, the who plays the lead, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that it's I don't know, and it's it's got this great sense of humor, a great sense of style. Uh, the movie has a great soundtrack, and and Nicolas Cage is just at his most, and he's pretty young there. He's yeah. in his late teens, but he's at his most charming, and he's genuinely funny he delivers these lines with this great comedic timing. And it's, it's not like, it's not vampires kiss. You're laughing at how outlandish it is. Mm-hmm. It's like he's, <laughs> he's delivering these quippy lines in this very natural way. And it's just funny. Like he's funny. It's yeah. People need yeah, no. to see that if they have seen it. That one's great. I actually saw that one for the first time like basically near the beginning of the pandemic last year. (laughs) And it was like a weird, like I woke up super early and like found it on prime and I watched it and I was like, so into it. (laughs) Like I was like, I was like, it completely, I was in a bad mood. I feel like, and it brought my mood up and that soundtrack's amazing. I, I I said recently, I was like that. I melt with you montage. was like one of my favorite things I saw in a movie last year. I just love that. Like falling in love. That song's, great uh, it's like oh man that movie is, is really really good he's really, i've never seen him really i don't see him do much stuff like that i haven't seen a lot of young nicholas no. cage so that was very different i did like him a lot in that movie and it's a, it's a good movie yeah no it's 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 really fun to watch i could watch <laughs> nicholas cage fall in love all day long mm-hmm. my number three is mandy so oh, because yeah. my number three is Mandy, I'm going to give you a couple of honorable honorable mentions. I was going to say I might have a few honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah, this I guess I guess would make my my top five. I guess. Uh, so the next up would be Bringing Out the Dead and mm-hmm. Eight Millimeter. Oh, okay. I saw Eight Millimeter not too long ago, and I don't remember much about it. Honestly, I feel bad. I it was. <laughs> I don't think I thought it was bad. I don't think I thought it was amazing. I was just like, oh, yeah. I think I expected to be, like, a lot crazier from how it had been built up okay. over the years. Like, yeah. you know, it's about snuff movies, and it's like, it wasn't as insane as I think I thought it would be. But um, it was interesting. I remember, like, yeah, it was, it was, and he was still good in it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, 8mm is, is, is interesting because at the time that it came out, it was kind of out there, but then at the same time, seven predated it. And, oh, and I, <laughs> I, you know, and, and you're just not going to top seven in terms of just that raw, 
you know, just depravity of seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So it, it doesn't to... go quite as far as you expect it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's a lot there. There's a lot there in eight, eight millimeter. And I, I love the chemistry, the buddy, the putty detective chemistry between Nicholas Cage and um, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're a great little duo <laughs> and then the the bad guys in eight millimeter, the antagonists in this movie are <laughs> I mean, some of my favorites in film. Dino Velvet, the pornographer. Oh yeah. <laughs> played by uh-huh. Pierce Vermeer, is just so I mean, the guy is just so scuzzy. <laughs> and, but you just can't stop watching him and and machine. Oh, um, yeah. the guy who's the actor in the snuff film is so uh-huh. When he's all in his getup, in his executioner getup, is so creepy. Yeah, and it's coming back to uh, me now, where you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and um, what's his name from The Sopranos? Oh my goodness, why am I blanking? James Gandolfini. Gandolfini. Or... Okay, okay. <laughs> Gandolfini's in it, and he has a, a scene that is just amazing. Revisit eight millimeter. Okay. <laughs> I think me. I will. I think I will. <laughs> Trust me. It's there's there's more there. And I, I get why it kind of gets overlooked. Um, and again, like if you compare it to movies of a similar vein um, that got more acclaim and more popularity, you know, like seven, of course, it doesn't it doesn't compete with that. But there's there's some meat on the bone with eight millimeter. Yeah, I really got to rewatch it. I th- you know, I think I watched it right after Joel Schumacher passed away because that was mm-hmm. it, that was his movie, right? I'm not making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was way out of the box for him, I feel like, at that time. And uh, yeah, I, I, you're telling me stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember that. But I just said <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. So I watched it. But I probably need to revisit it. Um, maybe my expectations yeah, will be yeah, different. Take it for time. a spin. It's fun. <laughs> Throw on eight millimeter. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's um, it's funny you brought up seven again. I'm like, it's funny, but I feel like so many movies tried to do what seven did after. And like, no one has oh, yeah. gotten it yet. It's, I just watched, um, the little things with Denzel. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, I feel mm-hmm. like that was even trying to be like seven and it's still not, it's 25 years later and I still can't even touch it. You know, it's like, um, I feel like we should do a seven podcast at some point. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. It, it's one of those things like people need to stop trying yeah, it's just give it up. The seven did it. You can't you can't beat it. It's it's done. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. And there's, you know, be your own thing. The next new thing that mm-hmm. you know that terrifies us, captivates us, fascinates us. Do something different. You're gonna have a lot better luck. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you try if you're not <laughs> trying to recreate seven because it's it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel uh, about bringing out the dead? Have you seen that one? I did watch that recently. No, yeah, not recently. A couple years ago, and uh, I did really like it. Another one though that I felt like it was kind of hard to see, or I just had put it off for so long that the expectations mm-hmm. is Scorsese, it's Nicolas Cage, that I thought yeah. it was kind of a little bit of a letdown, but not like I thought it was bad. I just kind of was expecting like right, right, the moon, and I got yeah, you know, it was like yeah, this amazing kind of. Uh, I need to watch that one again for sure because. Uh, I know I'd like it more in a second watch. I think I just expected so much the first time that 
it wasn't quite there, but it's still really good. He's really good in it. So yeah, yeah. it's it's an interesting one because it that movie almost works more as like vignettes than it does. That's yeah, that is true. Like like a a narrative that you're following from beginning to conclusion. I mean, mm-hmm. it does, but I think what I like about it is this kind of these little these little moments in his life. Um, and I think, yeah, Nicholas Cage does such a good job of looking sickly. I just, <laughs> that whole movie, he, you know, he's all bloodshot and malnourished, mm-hmm. um, and sleep deprived. And he just looks like death warmed over, but <laughs> he, he, does. he really, he really sells it, man. Yeah. Jesus. I, I feel like I, I feel like he must have been staying up or something like to, or he's just, you know, amazing makeup and an amazing actor. But uh, it really felt like he was not sleeping and completely losing his mind is what it felt like. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why you need him for a role like that. Like, yes, yeah, because he's someone who will he will do everything he possibly can to embody those extremes. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Um also, I'm glad that I went second because I'm still trying to figure out my top three Nicholas Cage. Ooh. Uh, this is so tough. I, oh boy. It's, okay. it's hard. And this feels like recency bias, but I really feel like my favorite performance from him is in Mandy. Honestly, I feel like when I watch that, and, I mean, I love the movie anyway, and then him in it, I just. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I just, yeah, it's one of those things where I just thought this is like the perfect thing for Nicholas Cage, the perfect use of Nicholas Cage, like. Such a good actor in this movie. Um, okay, number two, I will pick from that 90s cage action period. I could pick any of these three, but I will go with Face Off <laughs> as Caster Troy nice. because he's amazing nice. in Face Off. Um, oh, yes. Oh, God. Okay, third one. What do I pick here? Um, you know, oh, you know what? Remember, I will go... you can do honorable mentions. That's true. Uh, okay, so for number three, I will go with him in Raising Arizona. Good choice. It's a fun one. Um, Valley Girl Beyond My Honorable Mentions. Definitely The Rock and Con Air. Because <laughs> um, that's kind of, that's how I first saw Nicolas Cage was right. in these three right. action movies. Like, And it was so funny because, a uh, <laughs> little side story, my mom at the time was like was dating and she kept going on these movie dates and she kept mm. going to see movies I wanted to see, but I was only 10, so I couldn't <laughs> see them. So then she would go on her date and I, she'd come home and I'd make her tell me these movies in like excruciating detail. I'm like, I tell me it. about, tell me about Con Air. And she's like, okay. So, <laughs> so this guy gets in a fight at the, and she's going through the whole thing. And I'd be like, wait, why'd he go to jail? He was defending himself. She goes, it's complicated. Don't worry about it. And, and then she's like, and there's a bunny in a box for his daughter. And I'm like, what? And we're just going back and forth. <laughs> um, so much fun. I've never with, met her, but I love your mother. She, and the funny and thing you is, you can tell her I said that. I, I, I think will. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'll have to remind her of this. I feel like she probably won't even. Her memory is terrible, like mine. So she'll be like, "I did what?" I'm like, "No, you did. You come over to the movie. I'd force you to tell me about it. It was like a bedtime story. Tell me about The Rock. I you know." It. It was like, I love uh, it. And um, God, so yeah, it was like I was so frustrated. I want to see these movies so bad. And this is the only way I could could you know see them was her telling me sure. about them. And uh, so yeah, that whole Rock on Air face off. I love those movies. Um, what else? I mean, 
this is not <laughs> should not be on my list of like great Nicolas Cage, but uh, I am thoroughly entertained by the Wicker Man. I feel like he's the only reason that movie even is like memorable. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to better... confess something to you. OK, yes, <laughs> I've never seen it. Wow. It's OK. Can you believe it, that? Kind of. I, <laughs> like, I mean, it's not a great movie. It's funny because. I feel bad about this. This this is like 15 years ago almost now that there was that period in like the mid 2000s where I was like making fun of Nicolas Cage. I know. I'm sorry. I was like thought he was a bad actor. This hurts me to even say it out loud. But (laughs) where I was like, oh, Nicolas Cage, he's a joke. And I'm like, I want to go back and slap myself, you know, like from like my late teens, early 20s. Um, Because I just think that was like. You've redeemed yourself. You're forgiven. Thank you. I was piling on him with like Keanu. I love Keanu Reeves now. Like I'm glad they both have had like resurgences in the past like decade. Cause in the two thousands, I don't think either one of them was getting like that much respect. Maybe like the late two thousands. I feel like people were kind of dumping on them all the time. Um, right. But Wicker Man is like, to me, it's, it's like a put on a, with a group of friends, fun type of movie because right. it gets real crazy by the end. And he, is like the only memorable part of the whole movie. He, he, again, it's like the thing where like he's bringing everything and they don't know what to do with it. You know, it's like, he's trying mm-hmm. really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was like, yeah, that's interesting. That movie's interesting. Oh, and he's really good in uh, a newer movie, color out of space. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. It's really good. It, um, could be a fun double feature with Mandy. I don't know. They're both kind of like weirdly weird, otherworldly, <laughs> like uh, trippy thing. Yeah, but it that could work. Trippy visuals. Yeah, it's like so. I mean, there's a lot of great Nicolas Cage performances. So um, yeah, I'm glad it came back around because I think he's amazing now. Like I'm, I'm so mad at myself. I thought he was bad. I like, know he's just always <laughs> trying and always bringing. He loves to act. Clearly, like he just loves to be an actor. Oh, like, yeah. Um, no, I think he's brilliant. I think he's like, he's just ama- one of our best, honest to God, one of our best living actors because how many other people put in the effort that he does, honestly? Oh, so, totally. And yeah. when you, like, if you get a chance to hear him in in interviews, like his love for the craft of acting mm-hmm. is so apparent. Yeah. He loves it. And yes, he takes on a lot of, he does take on some dubious projects. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> not not every project that he works on is a winner. Um, but even when the material he has to work with is kind of subpar, like he's giving it all he's got. He's bringing something unique to the table. He's willing to take risks. Mm-hmm. His range, like if you look at the man's career, and I think our top three, we've, we've gone all the way back <laughs> to the early 80s. <laughs> To the present, when you look at the just the the wide the variance and the range of what he's you know been able to do and what he's willing to do, it's it's pretty incredible. It, yeah, it really is. I, I'm glad he's done so much acting because I want to see more of him. And it's funny you mentioned those like distinct phases of his career because someone broke this down perfectly. I thought you have like the the first like 15 years from like early, early 80s, like 95, when he wins the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. Then you move into the, like, action star, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And then, like, kind of, like, the he's doing, like, some big movies after that in the early 2000s. Um, and then it kind of, there's a little bit of a downswing near, like, the end of the 2000s. But then he's in Kick-Ass in 2010. And I right. feel like that kind of brought this, like, 
cage renaissance back a little bit and then after that he works so much from 2010 on it's like he's in like a bunch of movies a year and he's just doing all this these this work and all this interesting stuff i feel like he's in this like renaissance period someone did mention that he probably is trying to pay off some taxes okay well good i mean (laughs) i'm glad he's working then if he needs to pay things off yes then then let's keep the man working yes i was like i'll keep giving him money i don't care (laughs) this is my my hope and dream (laughs) i would i would love for nicholas cage to be like rudger howard or max von sydow working Mm. well into the winter of his life Yes, I, I think he from what he does, I think he will be uh, hopefully. And I, was I glad really to see, want that. I, I want him too. to be the next Rutger Howard. <laughs> I and really can... do. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, did you watch the uh, anthology TV series Channel Zero? No, I never got around to it. It seemed really interesting. Oh, my but God. Just, it's yeah. so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> it no, seemed cool. You must. You must. <laughs> is there a certain it's season I need to watch so or is all of it? They're all good. Okay. Okay. They're all good. You don't have to watch the seasons in order because they're it's an anthology. Every season is a different story. Um right, but the right. final season uh featured Rucker Howard. Oh, okay. And the story is just so bonkers and it's horror and it's cannibals and and rucker howard you know is one of his last roles Mm -hmm. and he was so amazing in it and it's and it's like this really bizarre horror series and rucker howard delivered this performance like he was up for the oscars you know what i'm saying like (laughs) yeah he was he was bringing I want Nicolas Cage to have that 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 option to keep working and doing interesting projects for as long as he can possibly do. <laughs> so right about there was where Carmelita and I lost our Skype connection and could not get it back. But luckily, we had pretty much finished the conversation about Mandy. And I'm glad we did because it was a very good uh, conversation. I thought I had a lot of fun talking to her. And uh, I can't wait to have her back on again. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. And I just want to plug some stuff for Carmelita because uh, she didn't get a chance to do that. So uh, if you want to follow her on Twitter and Letterboxd, her handle is at Carmelita Says. Um, and she wants everyone to know she's always happy to connect and talk about movies on there. And that's the best place to get details about her up- upcoming podcast appearances. Um, if you want to follow this podcast, um, it is on Twitter. It is at Film Feast Pod. You can follow me at MattBlit87. And you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. Um, thanks again for listening, guys. And we will talk to you next week.